0: Welcome to the PM Power Podcast, where Darren Hunter from Inspired Growth Training interviews some of the world's best property management experts to give you real solutions to the biggest issues property managers struggle with everywhere. For 25 ways to control office interruptions so you can slam through more tasks faster, go to pmpowerkeys.com. Hi everyone, Darren Hunter here. Before we get into the podcast, I just want to do a quick shout out for BMT tax depreciation reports. Now, for my two rental properties, I've had a BMT tax depreciation report done on those. And at tax time, I can get up to $25,000 worth of tax deductions. That's a lot of money. And for your property owners, would you believe a lot of them don't know the savings that they can be getting? And every rental property can still have some type of tax depreciation. So get in contact with the guys at BMT, talk to them about how you as a property manager and a property management agency can be serving your clients in Australia about getting the maximum tax deductions for their rental properties. Take care. Hi everyone. It is Darren Hunter here. And this is our, PM Power podcast, and we've really just made this especially for property managers. We really didn't want to get into growth because we've got some great BDM podcasts and we've got PM growth experts, but we wanted to do something that's just focused on property managers. And I'm just going to welcome today Kelly Seaton. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Darren. How are you? And Kelly is from the Leasing Network, which is based on the Central Coast in new south wales and kelly has been a property manager for well not as long as myself but we're getting this you came in the industry in 1994 so how many years experience does that give you kelly
1: that'd be 26 i think yeah long time
0: long time but that's cool and I think you're telling me about your year so far what was the word that you used was it wild ride it's been a wild ride I think you've had some crazy things happening haven't you well just give us a nutshell what are some of the the crazy things that have happened to you just this year
1: this year we are on fire literally so we've actually had two fires um, one um, happened in January and the other one happened in July, the last 31st of July so um, but, yeah, we've actually been on fire this year. It's been a very challenging wild ride.
0: Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, know, I know that um, I've seen your ups and downs. i am seen some of those crazy photos with the, with the fires that you have had to deal with. And they're the th- sort of things I think if you're in the job long enough, you're going to come across this stuff. Um, and just, uh, you know, just wacky things that you never, ever thought were possible. And so just moving right along, I just want to also give a shout out to everybody. We've just released a book um, called, uh, it, it's, it's our PM Power book. It's actually 101 Time and Stress Management Tips. To get it, just go to pmpowerkeys.com. That's pm powerkeys.com. You'll get the link in there. And look, we are giving the book away for free. If you're just happy to pay for postage for us to get it out to you because we're dealing with people from Australia, New Zealand, and the United States. So um, we're just wanting to uh, um, uh, give, a, give the book away for free. So go to that link there and um, and get your copy of the book. We're also going to be loading some other time management, communication, stress management training in there as well. But go and take a look at that. But Kelly, I just wanted to focus today, and I think we had a chat about this. I want this podcast to be focused around the big issues, the big pain points, something that's highly useful to our property managers out there. And today, I want to talk about communication. And when we spoke together some days ago, planning this podcast session together and talking about, hey, what do you want to talk about? The word effective communication came up and I we're going to divide this uh, discussion in two parts. We're going to talk about the questioning system that you have in place before you sign up a new owner. And then once you've signed them up, the communication strategies that you've got in place to induct them and bed them down as an owner with your company being the leasing network. So let's get started there, there, Kelly. And and just, um, you know, let's talk about your questioning process with, prospective landlord so you haven't signed them up yet you're you know and we know that you're doing the BDM work you are actually part of the BDM club with IGT so as a business owner you're being the BDM you're also a property manager you're managing stuff. so you are a very very busy lady Um, but let's just talk about your questioning process and let's walk through that so firstly why do you feel that effective questioning and communication is really important at the listing presentation. Why so early?
1: Yeah, I think um, so early we need to ask, I think we need to ask questions all the way along, but so early we need to identify um, the client themselves, what experience they have had in the past. If they have had experience before, if they're a first time investor or if they're a seasoned investor, we need to know um, basically their ground level and where they're starting at before they come into our office.
0: Um, okay, think- so Why is it important though, Kelly? So, I mean, there's a lot of property managers out there, you know, they'll, they'll sign up, you need a property manager, let's sign you up and let's get along the way. Why after your years and years and years and years and years in property management, why is this questioning so important? What are you trying to get to the bottom of and mm-hmm. what are you going to use it for?
1: Yep. So we need to find out their history so that we can see Um, If they have had any, perhaps, pain points in the past, are they a client who's come from another agency that's failed them or are they um, a new investor who's been watching a current affair and hearing all the horror stories and things like that? So we need to identify uh, which channel they're coming from and how to understand them best so that we can actually um, do the best that we can to service and cover and make sure that we are effectively across the board with those pain points that they've had in the past or the pain points that they're seeing on the TV show. You okay. Know? So, so yeah.
0: let, let's talk about that. So you talked about, you know, which channel they're on. So let's dial channel one. And mm-hmm. let's say that you've got a prospective client that's never had a rental property before. Yep. What are the typical, just let's run through all the type of pain points that are typical with this type of client. Mm-hmm. What are the sort of questions that you would ask to get to find out your answers there. What, 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 what are the, you know, what are the pain points generally? Let's list them out.
1: Yeah, I think if they've not been an investor before, they are literally seeing the news. So they're seeing tenants um, trash the property is normally their number one. If they're seeing that on a current affair or they're seeing arrears, they're worried that the tenant's just gonna stop paying rent. They're more worried on about the property itself Um, from that perspective because they don't know they haven't had that experience with somebody who can look after it. So they're just worried about what they're seeing in the media
0: really yeah, correct and there's a lot in there i mean we know those shows at 6 30 at night a current affair on channel nine or you know I don't, I, don't, I don't think today tonight is running anymore i'm not sure but you know they, these people here are seeing the horror stories out there and of course the media just shows all the the bad stuff yeah. um they don't talk about the correctly managed properties, so these people do have an incorrect picture don't they, they um, do. and you and i know i mean i was in the job frontline property manager 15 years you you've you've easily covered, you know, that base as well. And you and I know you do your job right. You're hardly ever going to see a problem. Yeah. You know, it, it's, we're not, we, you know, very rarely, a good property manager very rarely ever has to evict. Mm-hmm. Um, and thank goodness for that because we're not into evicting people. So, you know, finding out, of course, if the owner is scared of the tenant from hell, the property being trashed, getting a bad tenant and or you know and or not getting their mortgage paid. What what's important? Why do you want to know exactly what their pain point is? What are you going to do with that?
1: Yeah, we're pretty much going to only focus on their pain point. So just say for example, if they're not concerned about rental arrears, we're actually not even going to talk about that. Because that's not a concern to them at all. It might be down the bottom of their list at number item 15 whereas we're only going to focus on their top, say, three concerns um, so that therefore we're addressing exactly what that client wants because every client's different. So you might find that this client might only want to talk about that, but then you've got the other clients from the other channel that have had a bad property manager in the past or whatever. They're going to have a different set of concerns and pain points. So we're purely going to focus on based on each individual client. So if we yeah, find I
0: out- see these pain points as stepping stones that they might seem like a barrier but once you discuss the pain point and how you can supply a answer to that then it's actually gaining trust gaining connection and getting it closer to them wanting to use you right because it's just building trust all the way along um,
1: absolutely yeah, yeah definitely all done. if we so, can deliver okay.
0: on that yeah so we talked about channel one which is <laughs> a new client that's never had a property managed before. So they really don't know what's going to go on. And they've just got this weird and wacky ideas um, that the media has fed them. But let's now talk about an owner that is experienced with rental properties. Mm -hmm. They've had one or two rental properties in the past. They've had one or two property managers in the past. I think you and I agree. We've got a different situation here. They are educated. They've been down the road. Um, so, what are the what are the main pain points? Because the dialogue is changing here, right?
1: Completely changing. So the pain point for them, because they've already experienced a horrible time, um, the most of the pain points that we find is is effective communication is number one. Number two, we find it's connecting with their property manager, and number three, we find it's just consistency across the board. So those are the three things that we've done, and we've surveyed our clients that have come on board with us, our new business clients, as to what's gone wrong with the client, with the agency prior, so that we can make certain that those things are not going to go wrong with us. So, um, they would get given our our property owner's handbook, as well as the other channel, but they would get given that, and that would step out everything on how we work. But if we find out what their pain points were before, we can target specifically what they want.
0: Okay. Well, let's just Change the scenario up and I'm going to throw a curly one in here for you. So you're sitting in front of an owner that's had to move away from his family home because of a job transfer. So here's what we call a default or an accidental landlord. What are the things you're going to be looking for there as potential pain points and potential issues? What, how does your questioning change with this type of, of, of client?
1: Yeah. That type of client's an emotional client already uh, because it's their home. So um, that client we find is we actually kind of cotton ball them a little bit more because they really do have um, their heart on the line with looking after the property and making certain that it's not going to get trashed. So um, I guess we just have to run down our onboarding process with them and make certain that we ask them every single question that we can to nut down exactly what their needs are.
0: Okay, well well done. So you're looking specifically the issues surrounding that type of client, correct? And, and also you're nutting out fair wear and tear?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we actually have a, a property guide for a landlord, for every landlord that comes on to us. And we say to them, okay, this is our property guide and pre- preparation guide, if you like to call it that. It's a little checklist and it says, these are the things that you need to do before we actually have some keys to your property and start marketing. So in there, there'll be recommendations of things like maybe they might need a fresh coat of paint or, you know, all of those sort of things and suggestions that we would have to make certain that when the property comes on with us, it is um, ready to go, as neat as a pin, there's going to be no discrepancies or anything like that, especially if they've lived in it, you know, because if they've lived in it, they really do have, um, it's, yeah, they do have their heart making certain that this, they might want to move back to that property. If they're moving into state, for example, um, they may have every intention on coming back to that home. So they want it to be like it was when they left it, even though it might be seven years later. But they still want it. They remember that they left it looking in pristine condition and that's how they want it back.
0: Okay. Well, you and I know that that's setting us up for a potential war. Yeah. So, you know, how what, what are the words that you use to maybe pop their bubble Mm-hmm. Um, and and just talk about the real world. How do you condition them with your questioning or your prodding to to really, um, you know, what's the right thing that you need to say to them so we're not setting us up for failure later on?
1: Yeah, I think it's just about um, giving them the process, you know, and making certain that they understand. We're all about educating the client, so it's a matter of um, setting things up from the beginning and making certain that they know how we're going to work in the management of their property. And that might mean talking about um, scheduled maintenance, and sometimes that might involve, you know, outdoor quarterly cleanup or, you know, raking of leaves or those sort of things. That is in addition to what the tenant's going to do. But if we can make certain that we've got all of those things planned out in the management of their property, then that's going to help them.
0: Okay. You know, what if you yeah. start hearing words like, you know, they're concerned about the floorboards getting scratched or they want the oven kept really clean or, um, you know, they start getting uh,
1: a little bit precious about things. You know, what, what's your dialogue? The floorboards will get scratched. Tick. Yes. Um, the oven will get dirty. Yep. Um, so absolutely. Um, those things will happen. We are, we tell them as it is we don't we're not going to sugarcoat it because if we sugarcoat it then later on yeah we've got a lot of work to do you know so we actually do tell them yes it's your home um, but the tenants are going to look after it to a different standard that you look after it we are going to give them our guidelines for how to look after it and everything of course but yeah there is going to be some changes when you come back.
0: Including. All right, well practices. done. Okay. Well, let's now move on to another mm-hmm. type of owner that's come to you, a DIY landlord. He's been managing his own property very proudly for a number of years. And even when he puts his property on gumtree or some free, you know, property management or property marketing portal or whatever, uh, he's always managed himself. Um, he's very proudly done that. But for whatever reason now, you know, maybe he's getting a little bit um I'm old to want to manage the property anymore maybe the legislation compliance is getting too complex it's too much of a headache he's now brought you the property he's managed it forever in a day himself um, you know walk me through what are the what are the issues you're looking for what are the pain points you're looking for what are the questions that you would have for this type of owner
1: I have alarm bells ringing already <laughs> <laughs> you like is- questions This type of client, (laughs) no, you're just throwing it at me, but I love it because I'd love, yeah, it's fine. Um, This type of landlord scares me. I'm going to be completely honest. Um, They they just think they've done it all before and they know everything best. So it's quite interesting when you have a self-managing landlord come along. Um, I love when they come along. They do, we literally go through our property owner's handbook with this client. We go through our frequently asked questions. They get so much information on legislation and fair trading checklists and all of this. We have to educate these people because they've done it all their way. And it's, not, it's often not the best way at all. It's often the worst way. Um, so it's a matter of us introducing to them all of our service standards and things like that to make certain that they um, work how we want to work because we're managing the property now, not them. Does that make sense
0: absolutely this yeah. is really really good okay yeah.
1: it's, it's about processes with that client you yeah. know it really is about um, processing every step of the way because we're going to do it so different to how they did um, you know and this is I think this sort of a client is the hardest when they've got a tenant in play and um, you're taking on the tenant from hell sometimes too because Let's face it why do they not want to manage it themselves anymore They've got this tenant that they perhaps can't control and now they need a real estate agent to step in who knows the rules who can control them so that yeah alarm bells ring when someone says to me, "I've managed my property myself I just go, "Oh great and then and then I move forward with the questions for that specific client yep.
0: Well done, that's good. And I think, you know, you talking like this, Kelly, only a person with lots of experience understands. Yeah. You know, we only have to get our fingers burned so many times before we realize that not all business is good business or we have to use caution. So, all right, moving on. Now, you want another client? That gives you another type. You ready? So yeah. you are a property management only agency, the leasing network on the Central Coast. and um, But you do have relationships with real estate salespeople out there, right? Yep. Okay. So your favorite real estate salesperson, referral person gives you a call on the phone and says, Kelly. I've got this property with um, a person that, you know, has been trying to sell it. I've had it listed, but I don't know how long. I can't find a buyer at the moment. The market sucks. The owner needs to get some money. They want to look at renting it out until the market comes good again, where they're going to place it um, back on the sales, you know, whether it's going to be six months or 12 months. um, Can you come out and meet the owner?
1: Mm -hmm. Yep. Happens all the time.
0: Yep. yep. Cool. Alrighty. So yep. what are the, some of the issues, pain points, problems? What are mm-hmm. some of the questions you're now going to put into motion here for potential problems that could happen later on?
1: Yeah, That client just wants money um, because they're in that situation where they need it, that this is, they're now desperate because they need to obviously lease the property because it's not selling. So um, in that situation, we normally go out with the sales agent and, um, and I'm talking this probably happens at least once a week or maybe once every 10 days. Um, So we go out with them and we make certain that they're with us because they know their client better than what we know them. So we can kind of um, bypass all of that history bit for a minute and just get straight into this is the steps that we need to take right now today. Here's the the agreement, sign the line, we're going to do A, B, C, D, E and get it moving. So uh, with that client, they don't really have any pain points. They're just annoyed that it hasn't sold. Um, so with them, we just say, "Well, this is the process," and they kind of just go, "Okay, you're telling the story," you know, and they do flow and go along with what we're recommending because they do trust um, that that's we're doing. Being property management only, um, they trust that that's our area of expertise. So, okay. probably can't answer it for the mixed business, but that's all right. Us, well, yeah. I
0: want to throw another one. Let's say I am that potential owner. You're interviewing me. I've got the property that the sale. I can't. Mm-hmm. Um, Kelly, look, I, I, I really still want to sell the property. Um, but, you know, can we find a tenant without any lease? Can we just have it on an open agreement uh, or a, on, a, on, a, on a monthly or a periodic agreement, whatever you want to call it? Um, and um, can I just keep my sign up the front? And I'll talk to the salesperson. We're looking at hopefully to have an uh, open inspection um, at least once a week.
1: Mm-mm. And I want
0: you to get me a good tenant.
1: No, (laughs) Ah, I think you need to go to the agent down the road. Um, In that that scenario, I would say to you um, that it's best to just refrain from the sales market right now. You've already experienced that it's not working. So let's just throw it on the rental market for a fixed locked lease for six months and then we can go from there. There's nothing to stop them from listing it again the minute that you start advertising and putting a tenant in anyway, realistically, but I would um, have them avoid doing both, and I would not take it on as on the market as well as um, tenanting it for now because it 's going to say I would say to them this is you 're not going to find a tenant if you 've got a sales sign sitting out the front someone 's not going to want to do that you know um, so I would encourage them to just literally have it on um, on the rental market i 'd ask you see them the for, sales.
0: Or it's either rentals, but not that's both. Yeah, yeah, correct.
1: And, and yeah. the sales guy that's referred them to our office already knows that. He knows he's going to get the business back. We, we only do property management. So he knows it's not going to go anywhere else. It's going straight back to that client. So I guess that's the difference with being a property management only business. Whereas if we were a traditional office and we had a sales arm too, well, that could slide sideways into that sales department. You know? But for us, we just say, let's give it, lock it in, six months, exclusive, Let's go. We'll get you the income that you need. It'll be tenanted in 12 days um, and we will call the shots. Okay. And as you said,
0: the owner is after money. So what if the home, you know, does need quite a bit of repair work or something like that? You know, what's your discussion and your words around um, maintenance and repairs?
1: Yeah. So if, if it's a sales client, I would hope that the sales guys already ironed those out because you would wanna have it looking in pristine condition to try and sell. But obviously just pretending it's not, we would actually make some recommendations and suggestions to them. We would then get some quotations and say, look, you know, for as little as $200, do you realize you can do A, B and C? And that's going to be of more benefit to you if you do that. And you're gonna have uh, better long, well, not so much long-term tenants because they probably don't want long-term, but they're going to have um, perhaps more tenants because it looks better. You know, or things like that. The the one thing I find sometimes with those sort of clients is they don't want to spend money, because they're already they're already behind the eight ball. You know, so um, that's the trickiest part is we need to try and educate them into so we spend a little bit of money, but we're going to make a bigger gain, and that's the sort of thing we try and leverage out with them so that they understand that yes they need to pay for the advertising and marketing or a virtual tour or whatever, but this is going to be the benefit to them later because it's going to be a higher rental yield, um, you know, lesser days on market, which is obviously going to give them more money in their pocket faster. So that's, it's a little bit tricky, but we do need to explain that process so that they do understand that yeah, they might have to spend a little bit to get a greater gain.
0: Yep. Yep. All right. I'm going to give you another one. You ready? Yep. Your real estate person's back on the phone again. Your salesperson, let's call him Bill. Bill is on the phone. Mm -hmm. And he says, Kelly, I've got a big client that I work with. And he regularly comes to me and he's a a developer. Mm -hmm. And he's bought a couple of blocks of land that he's going to flag for development later on when the economic conditions warrant it but there's a couple of really crappy houses on it and they're very run down. I mean, he got a bargain base and price, but Kelly, I need you to look after this guy and can you please uh, go and sign him up and go and get him a good tenant and rent out the property? What are some of the issues, pain points, problems? What are some of the things that we really got to look out for here? And what are some of the, you know, the issues that we need to navigate through our, through our questioning that could turn into real complications later on?
1: Yeah it needs to have no risks (laughs) so we would say to the client just say um, the back balcony is about to fall off or something like that Um, it would have to be for us to take it on regardless of having so many properties and it could grow into 50 properties later if there's going to be a reason for a risk or an accident that we're going to be involved in we're not going to take it on so he has to fix that risk can't we we can't we just literally i think
0: that's a good comment because i think 10 or 15 years ago we were in a different situation weren't we we probably would okay we'll do the management we don't like doing this but we'll just deal with it but now things
1: have changed there is no compromise
0: now on risk is there too much
1: litigation going on there really is so we need to put ourselves as an agency um in the forefront of that decision so yeah i think for most of those clients we could get around a few things but they will get a little list from us that says these are the items that we need to address before anything further happens so, so you'd be
0: working with them to a minimum level right yeah. To a minimum level. Well, you've got to work out what that is. But of course, the property has to comply with your Residential Tenancies Act. Yeah. Needs to have legislation. Otherwise, the tenant's going to have us really quickly in a <laughs> tribunal or a court wanting compensation. So yep. um, it just gets bad all round, which means you start getting your... You know, commission interfered mm. with, or I've even seen here in South Australia, you know, we, we, we had properties defected and the rents very commonly dropped by 50%. So mm. down goes your income as well. So, yeah. Um, anyway, okay. All right. You ready for another type? Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, a gentleman rings up and says, Hey, uh, Kelly, uh, my mum and dad lived um, in our family home like Forty years. I grew up there. My brothers and sisters. We grew up there. We moved out ages ago. Mum and daddy have now. Mum and dad have now passed on. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we want to rent out the the home, um, and we need a really really good rent. So, if mm-hmm. you got that situation pictured, yep, we're going to and have what, a little. What are the communication points around this? What are the the stress points or the pain points we've got to look out for? What yep. are the potential issues in that type of scenario that we need to navigate? Mm-hmm.
1: So I think that client, um, we're going to do a little mini renovation, I think almost, because if I mum and dad live there for a long time, uh, we may need to bring in a bit of a handyman team and say, we're quick going to do a quick paint-out, new flooring or whatever. But that's the sort of client um, that we would literally say to them, these are the suggestions and recommendations that we'd have for you. Um, and they will have an emotional attachment being mum and dad's house, but we're going to quickly turn them into an investor and to think like an investor and educate them like an investor and make certain that they um, they can have everything they want, but to have everything they want, they just might need to do a little bit of tweaking to bring it up to 20, 2020 standard. Not,
0: not I anything. agree, I think there's two issues, and my experience was well, two issues decor, um, yeah. outdated, but also yeah. repairs. I remember a situation with a it was an old home, it was in Loxton of South Australia, so and it was just this really old vintage looking cottage. The the lady would live in there 50 years. She's now gone. And what I realized until afterwards is that house was only used to one lady, elderly lady living in it. Now I've rented it out. I've got a family moving in and I think the house just didn't know what hit it. Suddenly all these things were breaking down. The pipework was breaking down. It was getting blocked. It's like the house couldn't handle it. And I realized that the house was only used to a level of use, a level of wear and tear. A whole new family moves in and it was like, oh, the house (laughs) literally was falling apart. And so... There was that issue too. So I think for people out there, certainly the decor is at 1950s, 1960s, decor (laughs) with missionary brown or all this musk pink in the bathroom or something like that. You've got to update, but it's also the repairs. Do you know if the home is in a good state of repair? It may not be, particularly if pensioners were living it for many, many years, there may be stuff that'll only come out after a new tenant moves in. So these are the things you know, you definitely got to look out for. So Kelly, I think that was a really good discussion points around prospective clients. Let's now move to the other side of things. Mm-hmm. We've now got the business. We've now got the sign management. Yep. Where are we going now? What's the next steps that you put in place with your induction of this client to bring them on board and bed them down as a client of the leasing network? What's your process?
1: All right, yeah. So we do go through um, pretty much a property owner's handbook. Um, We do go through all of the frequently asked questions legislation, we go through communication, we go through um, the standards of the property, Um, we go through all of our processes, so that might be it from starting and leasing right through to the management side of things, Um, we would step them out in, in lots of different aspects. Um, you know, we would talk to them about the how the inspections are conducted and all of this sort of stuff. Um, so if they um, come at that level, we talk about the whole leasing section. We kind of split our portfolio into two, saying leasing and management, so that we've got two different jobs happening at the time. Um, so we'd step them through all of the first section. Then when they get into the management section, we talk about all of our service standards and things like that. So um, it's very different when they're already on board but before we get to that stage we need to find out a lot more about them as a client as well because every client's different so they're on board we need to make certain what sort of client are they Um, you know we do a little bit of disc profiling if you like almost to call it that so we can work out well what sort of client is this do they just want concise bullet point answers or do they want the fluffy story You know, um, so that's the sort of thing we try and work out. We put them in our database, um, in our property management software. We categorize them as to what sort of client they are. So that communication preferences from the start to finish are the same.
0: Okay. So let's talk about that. So you said... Yep. using like a basic disk profile, which talks about, you know, people that want direct communication. I'm one of those. Don't get into fluff with me.
1: Yep.
0: Um, you've got people that, you know, want to talk a lot, people that do want all the fluff. you got people that, you know, so they just want the numbers. So tell me, um, you know, what uh, tell me about that. How do you segregate that in your property management software system? So, you know, you know, what, t- what are the, the various types of clients? Is there four? Is there five? Tell me about that. So you, yep. what system do you have so you can categorize that client to get your communication right?
1: Yeah, we just put, uh, we use PropertyMe, So I'm sure there's all different sorts of pro- programs, but we just put that in our alerts um, in, on the property, under the landlord, so that, that we can see exactly uh, what sort of client this is. And so it, it literally has a DISC. We know exactly what those profiles are. They might be a blend of two profiles. But I think after you've had a, what, say, a 10-minute conversation with somebody, you know exactly what sort of client or you can predict or anticipate which client they are. You know, some yep. clients I even say to them, "Have you done a disc profile, what are you? you know like and they're like oh i'm an eye and i'm like oh great you can have hayley because you know i'm not an eye you know but like so we would literally write it down so we know exactly what sort of communication that they like because no one no one wants to be on the phone for a long time if you're a bullet point person let's face it you just want the three bullet points and you want to get out of there so um i just think if we can make certain that we're dealing with them how they want to be communicated with they're going to love that because that's how they are and we need to understand what sort of client they are and adapt to that.
0: Yep. Yep. No, that, that's good. So let's talk about setting expectations. And mm-hmm. one of the things we talked about before was dealing with calls and emails and communication, what yep. sort of communication are you having with them, what discussion are you having around their expectations with calls and emails, what sort of you know, expectations are you laying down about how you operate? How do you do that?
1: Yep. They get our service standards. Um, our service standards are very clear And they say, if you want to be communicated by um, email, say, for example, our reply will be 24 hours. If you want to be communicated by phone, our reply will be, you know, two hours. We try and do it less than that because everybody wants everything now, like before, you know. So, uh, but they would be told the ways of communication with our office is X, Y, Z. And these are the timeframes that we are going to reply to you. Now, one big thing with this is you cannot overpromise and under-deliver. So, you need to, if you say you're going to call them back within two hours if they've left a message, you literally need to call them back within two hours. Because If you don't, you've lost all their trust and you're back to square one. So, it's a matter of us um, saying to them, these are the time frames that we're going to talk to you, this is how we're going to do it, and um, and go from there. The one thing I'm finding now is people are really coming um, on board with text messaging. and. I hate text messaging because if particularly for a property manager, if you're out of the office between this property and that property and someone texts you, you've already read it by the time you get back, honestly, you've forgotten it. Um, You know, so I actually um, have a habit if I get a text message, I screenshot and forward that to my email because otherwise I'm going to forget that, you know? So um, there's ways that we love doing things as well. But if the client loves text messaging, that's how we have to communicate with the client. You know, some clients are busy at work and they don't want to be disrupted by their property manager. But if they got a quick text saying, you know, dear John, this is what happened today. John's just going to give you the thumbs up and come back, you know. So it just depends. But we literally would tell them our service standards so that we meet um, their expectations and we deliver based on exactly what we've said we're going to do. Okay.
0: let's, um, Let's talk about after hours. Um, yep. taking their calls after hours and on weekends what's the expectation you give around your own, your availability um, outside of hours
1: all right so i try not to um it's a little different for me because i'm the business owner as well so i um i do not answer the phone outside of our office hours if it rings twice it's perhaps that they've rung our main office line and then they've rung my mobile if it rings three times, I'll pick it up or I'll answer it. But at two, I will listen to the voicemail and I will decide, is that an urgent matter or not? Um, but, yeah, they won't get a call back generally. They might get a quick text saying, you know, thanks for your call. I'm actually at Kids Sport. It's Saturday afternoon. Things are crazy. I've diarised to call you on Monday at 9 or 8.30 or whatever, you know. So um, we try and avoid it at all possible costs because if we talk to that client at 7 o'clock at night, This week, guess what time they're going to ring next week? They're going to ring at 7 o'clock at night next week and the week after and the week after. So we literally say these are our office hours. You have to understand that, hey, you know what? I'm a mum, I've got a husband, I've got two children and if you're going to ring me, you're going to hear screaming kids, dog barking and all this other stuff. You don't want to hear all that. So they're respectful of that. If we are upfront with them, most people are respectful of that. And so sometimes, yeah, Friday night it might get a message and I have to text back going, you know, what, it's family time, I'm cooking spaghetti. Like, I really don't care that you need (laughs) new, you know, new new turf is not affected tonight. We're we're doing spaghetti, you know. So, yeah, I think if you lay down the rules, that they will follow the rules.
0: Okay. So let's talk about your owner's portal. How do you communicate that to owners and how... um, You know, How do you connect them up to that so they're using that and getting access to easy information? How do you explain that?
1: Yeah, so um, number one for our office is transparency and um, we literally run our business based on transparency. We have um, transparent business cards and whatnot, so um, it's quite cool. The the portal um, 24-7 access, we say to them is live data. You can see everything. We invite them to the portal when they come on board. We've already explained the portal at the new business listing appointment and things like that. Um, And I love the portal so that they can see, you know, if their rent's coming in next Tuesday, what's sitting there right now and things like that. So um, the portal is very advantageous for them. And the fact that they can just jump on whenever they want um, is great. But, you know, it's quite interesting because we can see in the back end when the owners do get on the portal and they don't get on there very often at all. So that's really, it's a compliment for us because they obviously trust what we're doing um and yeah you really they don't they don't use it as much as they should but it's the fact that it's there and available and they feel like they've got a safety net because they can just check on you you know make sure you're doing the right thing without you knowing but we do we do we can see but anyway we don't tell okay. them we can see yeah
0: so let, let's talk about the property owner's handbook now yeah. um what's the sort of benefits you've had with using the handbook getting mm-hmm. that in place which is your induction manual yeah. um what's some of the feedback that you've had from clients with that how has it helped
1: you Yeah, I think there's so much information in there um, because you don't always get time to go through every line when you're meeting face-to-face with them or sometimes it's over Zoom or whatever. So I think the fact that they can see each section, you know, there's frequently asked questions. We always ask our clients and we love it when they come to us with questions. We actually give them the handbook. But before that in the listing part, we've actually given them a list of questions that they might like to ask any property manager that they're going to bring on board, because we know what our answers are to all of those questions. So if they ask that to somebody else, you know, they're not sure what they're going to get thrown at. So, but we ask um, all about those questions, and we talk about the legislation, and just every item in that handbook um, is handy for them to have as a record. So that sometimes we do say, "Oh, that's in the handbook." You know, we we did talk about that because it's in the handbook as well, in chapter whatever. You know, so it's quite interesting that it is. Um, Therefore, um, backup, if you like to call it that. We can say, well, here it is, they can read through it at their own leisure as well. And yeah, it's a bit of a, a backup to all of the processes um, and the systems that we have in place. Well so yeah.
0: just a shout out for everybody. If you're interested in the property owner's handbook, we've only just created a newer version, revised it. We've got a very detailed, frequently asked questions. Just about every big question an owner will probably ever ask you. We've answered it in the handbook. We've got a, a second section, which is all a detailed checklist for the owner to get the property ready for rental. But the third part there is uh, just detailed list of your services around what you do for your management process, a leasing process, and the whole purpose of that so they can see the comprehensive nature of your work so they don't fall into the into the rut of thinking all you do is collect rent and drink coffee as you know kelly there's a lot more to it than just that so go to uh, pmpowerkeys.com i'll make sure there's a link in there you can have a look at the handbook you can actually um, purchase it and download it as a microsoft word document so that means you just amend it to your legislation Um, you can uh, add your own brand change it to your office practices and really make it yours and then that then that 's going to become your working property owner 's hand, but we 've got an Australian version, and we 've got a New Zealand version too, because the dialogue in those is quite different. So Kelly, I just want to say a big thank you. I think this was a great episode. We really got into some really good property management nuts and bolts there, a great discussion, really showcasing your experience. Um, And I'm going to say uh, thank you so much for um, sharing um, so much valuable information, you know, with our watchers and uh, and our listeners.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for having me on board.
0: Cool. Thank you, Kelly. And take care, everyone.
1: Thank you.